Modern Maker podcast for Thursday, October 28th, 2021. Now, we have spent a lot of time talking about days of the week, but we got a lot to cover this episode. So you know what? I'm not giving days of the week any love this episode. I want to go into Rockler hobby challenges. I want to start highlighting some of this stuff. We're kind of maybe are we, we're getting close to like the halfway point of it. There's still plenty of time for people to get in, but a lot of submissions are, you know, a lot of projects are starting to take, sh- take shape. So I figured maybe we'd highlight a couple of them that we've seen the past couple of days. And we got some bangers. That's right. Who wants to go first? We each chose one. We'll kind of talk about it. We'll probably just keep doing this throughout the whole thing. All really right. quickly before we get going, Chris, was Yo. today just a bad day of the year? There's not Did a it lot just going no, on. It just wasn't I'm a good holiday? Lie, okay. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Ben, what do you got? What's your highlight? I'm going with Make With Miles on Instagram. Coming out of Portland, Oregon, he is making guitar. Now, we've seen a lot of guitars in the maker community. Yep. And I kind of figured at this point, everything's been done. But he's doing Ooh. something a little bit different. He's doing a Kumiko style guitar where you make the little geometric patterns with the small pieces of wood that you kind of carve with a chisel yep. and he's infilling the kind of perimeter of what looks like a sort of cnc carved guitar shape and i think he's going to fill in the rest with uh, epoxy but it looks really good so that's makes with miles and go check it out and you can check them all out by just clicking on rockler hobby challenge that hashtag on Instagram. Nice. I thought this one was, no, I was just going to comment on it. I think we had a little bit of lag, but Chris, yo, do you think you could do Kumiko like this? Because this has me wanting to see your take on it. I've seen a few different makers in our community that have experimented with this. Yeah, and I've I feel never, like you would have a fun project. I've never done it. And it it's always looked intriguing, but it's one of those things that I've kind of avoided because I've thought like, well, everybody else has already done it. I don't know if I have anything new to bring to it. So if I had an idea to do something like this, I'd I got be like, an oh, idea that for you, Chris. Uh oh, here we go. Scale it up. Most people do it with handheld tools and a real soft mm. wood. So you there one, you the wood's a little bit squishy. So if your cuts aren't perfect and you have a little uh jig set up so you just shave it with the this really sharp chisel. Yeah. If you did it, but did it with a, your table saw or set up some jigs and then did a bigger version of it with power tools, I think that would be pretty incredible and completely unique. So it could be like what what the normal, how do you say it? Kumiko? Yeah. Kumiko pattern looks like, but like to a G.I. Joe figure. I'll scale it <laughs> or, up. Or even larger. But even doing something like a, you know, a, a large table or something like that, I think would yeah, be yeah. pretty cool. Or even like a partition or something for a wall. Where you're starting to cut, you know, if you did it with, I mean, it, it's done with like eighth inch thick pieces of wood. If you did it with three quarter inch boards, right? Holy crap! I'm I'm yeah. into it. I'll mess around with it. I like that idea. And scaling well, it up with power tools would be a completely different technique, and I haven't seen someone do that. But you'd have to do everything at least once with a handsaw version. So, like, do the Japanese <laughs> pull saw to before that you I do. Could do it. I could right. do it if I wanted. Yep. But shout out to at Make With Miles. He actually has a few projects in his recent library that all kind of have patterns and textures. And he's experimenting on a lot of really cool stuff. So big shout out. Yeah. Chris, Yo. who's your highlight? All right. So this one really caught my interest. It's by Build XYZ. Now, oh, I yeah. have to do a little more due diligence here because 
it looks like he's been working on this since before the challenge started. So I don't know. I don't think that necessarily disqualifies it because it's just like a huge undertaking that, that he's obviously into and he's very passionate about it. And that's kind of what this challenge is all about, but he's doing like a pinball machine, but it's like a pin table. So it's got a motor in it. So it can go perfectly flat, but you know how, when you're playing a pinball machine, how it's at, you know, a slight angle so that the ball can roll towards you. So he's got a lift motor mechanism in there so that it can go from flat to and actuate and come up. And he's doing like all of the electronics and every little piece. So it goes back. He's been working on it for a long time, but regardless of, you know, if you want to be a stickler for rules or whatever, it's still really cool to watch and and see. So build XYZ on Instagram. And it looks like he's got a YouTube as well. I, I thought this one was a cool double use because a lot of times you're not going to have room for a pinball table, but if it lays flat, there you go. There you go. Cause you have room for Boom. a table. So hopefully yeah mike what do you got what's your highlight so mine is a plant propagation station by Mm. shop underscore last i think it's a really cool design move it's functional in the sense that if you want to take a plant trimming throw it in a little test tube and water kind of set up and then just like sprout a bunch of new plants you can do that but i am really digging the arch design that he has on the top i think that's a cool trendy shape but the execution is super clean and i'm assuming that there will be a youtube video coming soon so i will give a another highlight or at least another shout out whenever i know that that video is out so check it at shop underscore last yeah i like that real simple very repeatable i think they actually I've seen people selling similar stuff on Etsy before. So it definitely is like one of those products that I feel like you could turn into a, a business. I think so. Yeah. And it's one of those kind of, it's hard to find a lot of items that are that sort of size unless you're at the store, but online it's kind of one of those too big to ship items that a lot of times it really looks custom when you have something that kind of yeah. medium furniture size, yeah, it's an easy thing that you could like use to like fill in any kind of space in your home where you need to add a little bit of plants and decor type of a thing. It'd be kind of cool in front of a window. You'd get some like refractions, some rainbows coming through the test tubes full of water. It could be a nice little infilled thing. And plants propagate pretty quickly. So that's yeah. a fun process, I have to imagine. I know Rachel is actually doing quite a bit of that. She says it's a lot of fun. And I've been keeping my plants alive at the house. So maybe I'll try it Ooh. sometime soon. As an so experienced far. cactus propagator that the Ooh, internet yeah. knows me as. Uh, I yeah, forgot no. that you did that. <laughs> hey, that's a great way of, of like writing your internet wrongs. You're like, hey, uh, I'm sorry I cut down this cactus, but I just made five more. Yeah, I made like eight more. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Them away. If you need, if you need a cactus, Mike. I got you. <laughs> I saw him in the backyard, man. There's a whole table full of cactuses. Ugh. All right. I okay. Think that's so, cacti, buddy. So now that we've talked about other people's Rockler Hobby Challenge projects, Ben, you and I are both wrapping ours. I think by the time this podcast comes out, I know that we'll both be done. But are any of us going to have a YouTube video out? Yes, and we got some similarities because I saw your Instagram stories today. And I saw that you were putting some, I think what we have in common for this, in addition to being, you know, obviously the hobby challenge theme is that we're both using variations of particle board. You're using melamine. So the more traditional particle board with a laminate shell, 
thin candy shell, if you will. <laughs> I'm going with the straight up MDF, which is the fine grained particle board. And I think it's kind of funny that it both worked out that way, that we're taking these kind of, I guess, low, I guess you would say lower grade kind of more industrial materials, but both using sure. them in more maker or kind of furniture projects. So I think we both turned to the router to kind of uh, dress up the edges a little bit more. And I think that was the problem that we tried to solve is, okay, people know these materials by the edges. Let's figure out a way to disguise that. And I was really pleasantly surprised at how nice your sort of roundover edges looked on the particle board side of the melamine. I was like thinking, I was like, ooh, that's kind of dicey. Now, yeah. I just want to get to the question though. Are you going to like, <laughs> what are you going to finish that end grain? Are you just going to clear coat it with some polyacrylic or are you going to fill up the the gaps in the particle board or what are you yeah, thinking so there? I've got, I've got a couple different ideas and I've really been testing everything along the way because I've been not wanting to damage the laminate, the actual melamine. So I'll just do some maker brand simple finish. I'll do a water-based polyurethane and just see what the look kind of gives me. The last time I used white laminate on plywood, I used simple finish because it really kind of brought some of the warmer brown out of it. But I don't know if that's going to play to the particle board that the that the melamine is made out of. It might make it look a little too yellow, but it might kind of bring it back to brown. Who knows? But yeah, I don't really have to treat my edges too much, though. I'm just sanding mine to 220. I remember you sprayed yours with polycrylic and then sanded back yeah. that a little bit before paint. And then you built a concrete top, right? A colored concrete top? Green concrete. So what are you using as a pigment now? Because I know you've got the that Limestrong. tint base from Quickrease, so it's the plaster stuff. It's, yeah, it's the Limestrong plaster. For for colored pigments and concrete, it's it's the best stuff I've found. It like the colors are so pastel and you have just really excellent control and you can add it as a dry too meaning that you can really like measure it out and get it all prepared mm -hmm. and then just add water to each batch. So it's, it's been the best pigment I found for, for concrete because concrete is nice. really hard to get good color in and without adding a chemical to the water, which then sort of weakens the bond and ruins the strength. So yeah, the dry pigments I found have been better. Nice. I think it's funny that you did a concrete top because that's the only thing I've ever used melamine for in the past. And every time I kind of use it, it, get, it gets me a little bit curious because, you know, you kind of figure out how to get good, clean cuts. You figure out how to put everything together the most convenient way with a form. But I've never done anything kind of practically with furniture using that material. So it had been on my list forever. The past few podcasts, you had been talking about particle board talking about MDF and just cheap sheet goods. And I experienced it whenever I was at Home Depot. I was looking at the birch and the maple plywood they had. And I'm telling you, it is thinner than a piece of paper. This veneer that they use on this hardwood cabinet stuff yeah. is so thin that I'm like, I know I'm going to sand through this. I already know that I'm going to ruin it. And I didn't necessarily want to use the same radiata pine that I always use. I've been, you know, I just want to experiment a little bit. And so I was looking around and... I was just staring at the melamine and I'm looking at this, which is $35 a sheet, the radiata pine, which is $60 a sheet, and then the hardwood, which is like $70 or $75 a sheet. And that was kind of the thing where I'm like, you know, maybe now is the time to try out that melamine furniture idea. So the challenge was just keeping it clean and not damaging it throughout the whole process. Mm -hmm. Because whenever you're building a concrete form, 
You're not being careful. Mm. So you do kind of get that it's not the toughest material in the world and it can be damaged, but it's totally durable enough for everyday use. So I've just been careful throughout the process, making sure that anytime I'm clamping, I'm always like using masking tape on the clamping pads or I'm just being careful when I place everything or using a shipping blanket whenever I'm doing stuff. But man, I'm excited for it. As long as everything comes out over the next day or so, whenever I'm building the the finishing touches, I think this is going to be next level. I think people are going to be very, very hype on it. Yeah, what would like the actual number one use for sheets of melamine be? Just like cabinets that are in high traffic areas where you need to be able to like wipe them down really easily or something? Yeah, like prep surfaces, like shipping tables and stuff like that in like industrial buildings. Okay. If they're making like a table where they're going to like, you know, do packaging or right. fulfillment, they'll use that and then they just edge band it or do a solid wood edge around the perimeter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like a nice slick, cleans up real easy. Yeah. Can you imagine sliding a box? Yeah, Ooh, just, it's like a shuffleboard table. Oh, you should just build a yeah. shuffleboard table out of melamine. You know, it is some slippery stuff. It, it was part of working with a circular saw as much as I do, because I'm always having to hold the material down and it's one to slide around on yeah, the yeah, two yeah. by fours while I was cutting. So I had to do some, <laughs> some Jesse Ueda style, like knee clamps. Knee I don't clamps. do the, I don't do the foot clamp, but I'll throw a knee down every once in a while. Got to work on that flexibility. <laughs> yeah. Nope. I don't have it, man. It's good. I, I would have to build it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, so Mike, Chris, what are you working? Oh, okay. Well, what's up? question. So have you gotten all your records all lined up, the whole collection's ready for the the display, the the staging, you know the one that's going to be on yeah, the record player? On the thumbnail. That's actually the part that I haven't considered at all Ooh. because I know I'm going to finally be able to sort all of my records by genre because I have a lot. It's kind of the only thing that I really waste money on or at least that I'm, you know, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of a waste of money, but it's just a pile and they're in cardboard boxes and they're kind of just not organized well. So I'm excited to go through them, sort them by genre and then kind of each compartment will sort of be a genre Okay. because I have four main compartments. It'll kind of go up through like heaviness of music. So I'll kind of have like light poppy stuff, kind of indie stuff, then some like emo kind of stuff and then kind of just like metal. Now, well, whatever gets front cover. Oh, I got to fit rap music in there somewhere too. Yeah, you got to get all the genres in. But whatever gets the front cover, is it going to be based more off of the actual music that you like best or the cover that you like the best? That I don't know. So as I sort these genres, I'm going to actually have a chance to visually inventory every single one. And I know that there will probably be 20 that stand out and I'll have to narrow it down from there. And it'll be a combination of it'll be a combination of aesthetics and like breadth. So I want to show a little bit of each kind of style of music that I like, some iconic things that people that I know people will kind of recognize yeah. and maybe a couple of those those little underground hitters. So when people see that they'll be right. like, oh, I always think that's a guy." I always think every time I've had an album appear in a thumbnail or on camera, mm. I'm always looking for something that has that's a little bit more on the obscure side, but with really, but still something I like, obviously, if I have it in my collection, but with really good cover art, but a little bit more on the obscure side, because that makes people go, oh, what's that album? Yeah. Yes. Man, people are Hawkeyes and Hawkeyes, because one, one time I had, there was a video that I put out and 
me and Sean were saying something and I had music on in the background. It was just like randomly playing stuff from my phone or whatever. And there was this song by this band called work of saws who like, nobody's heard of this band <laughs> barely. They were not <laughs> popular at all. And somebody commented like, was that work of saws in the background? I'm like, there's a lot of people watching these videos, I guess. Yeah, I guess if so. That happens. <laughs> hey, Chris, you know, the band converge, you ever hear of them? Uh, sounds familiar. Oh, okay. Never mind. I thought you would be like, yes. Oh, yeah. And if so, I gonna, yeah, I was about to say, there's been a people really like to let you know that they're a fan of Converge. Mm. It's one that they're proud of. There's certain sleep. bands that have a different proportion of shout outs to popularity. So there will be certain bands that are very popular and you get exactly what you would expect of when it comes to comments and DMs that are like, hey, man, yeah, I, you know, like a Childish Gambino album. A right, lot of people right, right. will be like, oh, I like that because it is good and a lot of people are familiar. But a disproportionate amount of people will message if it's a little more underground because yeah. they respect it or they're more excited because it doesn't get a lot of love. Well, bands with like a rabid fan base, even if they're not the biggest band. So... I always think asking people what kind of music they like is I never th like it's a fair question and I mm -hmm. think people give a more aspirational version of it but I think the actual answer would be what did they listen to like the stats and the data that's in their phone based on whatever platform they're is telling the real story of what they like yeah yeah my hypothesis is that what people say they like and what they listen to most often, there's a a pretty solid discrepancy between those things. Not massive, but distinct. I mean, that could I be like, what kind of food do you like, and what are you? And then if you if you got to just examine someone's poop and saw what they ate, <laughs> or maybe just look in their fridge, Chris. Okay. No, maybe no, no, no. Let's, let's look at the before, around. not the after. <laughs> yeah, Chris. <laughs> Chris, there's another way. Chris, your head at. Come on, man. There's a third way. <laughs> okay, but let's do the analogy there, Chris. I get it. Kind of makes sense what you're saying. That though. guy loves corn. <laughs> that guy loves Sorry. corn. It's yeah, corn and pudding. You might wait. Chris, corn the to band be or fair, corn the food? Yeah. What, what are we talking about now? And Chris, to be fair, you might be overselecting for what they have trouble digesting that's of the true, food right? that they eat. Yeah, that's the corn. Yes. So there you go. No, but I think well, they're disproportionately there, like, represented, like you know, some fans are with different bands. Like this is all tying together. It's well, a whole spider web. Well, when you get asked what kind of band or what kind of music do you like, it would kind of be like somebody asking you, like, what kind of food do you like. Like your head is like, uh, there's so many. Yeah, you think of the best things you could think of to say. Well, yeah. Mike, that was like the question we were sort of talking when we were talking about music, which was, what's like the most main. What's the most popular group that you still like? Yeah. Right? Like, that's sort of Killers. an interesting question. Yeah. I think... <laughs> Apparently for me. Yeah. No, that, that that's sort of like what we were talking about last time. So, the Killers would be an example. Like, Tame Impala was like another one that sort of came up. Right. That's kind of like... Oh. I think you said Tame Impala. Yeah. And I was like, damn, I was going to say Tame Impala. Yeah. It, it, it's it's an interesting question. It's like, where does that... The, the the more independent identity, but the undeniable, yeah, there's a reason why that stuff's popular too, kind of intersect. Mm -hmm. Oh, big time, big time. And like Childish Gambino, like the, those records that he's made, those are good examples of that. But I think that's what's key about a good record collection is that you have that spectrum. You have things right. for people to discover that are more obscure 
and more specific to your taste. But then you also have some crowd pleasers that you still have a strong affinity with. Because then right. at the end of the night, when you have a bunch of people over, you're having like a little bit of a party, you know, people are going to put on some of the crowd pleasers and then someone will like go full DJ, dig through the pile and put on something kind of, you know, special for the moment. Right. The way I think about it is if you want to lead people down rabbit holes of music, you've got to entice them at the beginning of the trail with something that's really palatable. And then Mm -hmm. you kind of figure out, oh, what song did they like from this? Oh, okay, it's probably because of this element or that element. Find the kind of commonalities between it. And that's how you can really introduce people into music you think that that is cool, that they will also enjoy, you know? So if you have a good collection, you got to have the entryway into the trail. That makes sense. Trail booms. That's my favorite food then. I think you should release a Spotify playlist of your album collection. That would be actually a great move. That's a good idea because that's kind of one of the downsides of streaming music is back in the day you had iTunes, which was your whole music catalog. And then if you didn't know what you had wanted to listen to, you had just as many things as you had back in the day when you had CDs. You know, you're like, well, I don't know what to listen to. I'm just going to scroll around until something piques my interest. But nowadays, I feel like people can get stuck listening to kind of recently played or pre-curated playlists way more often. Or at least I find myself doing that where it's the music I play most often gets played more often. Right. And this would be a different type of playlist because it's more of an album playlist, which is more. And that way it's like, you know. I'm always surprised at how much of our audience is international. Like, it's not the majority of it, but there's still a a pretty good component. You know, there's a lot of subscribers that are from all all parts of the world. Oh, yeah. So I think it would be kind of cool to make something, I don't know if Spotify is available globally, but something that, like, the exact experience that you're having, the record collection you have in your home in Joshua Tree, California, you put that on a a playlist and people all over the world can listen to your collection not with the warmth of vinyl but still would be kind of a cool a cool thing to do i think so i'm gonna think about that i'm gonna figure it out because i've tried spotify playlists in the past Mm -hmm. i had a little bit of good feedback but overwhelmingly there just weren't there wasn't enough followers and i had to be cutthroat and be like i'm not investing all this time into it because not enough people are paying attention you know maybe this will be it you're like record of the week mike you're like the one person that somehow we became like friends on spotify so i always can see like real time what you're listening to Oh, really? That's interesting, huh? Yeah, it like pops up on the side of my Spotify. Only well, that's weird on the desktop. Just a whole I, oh, lot okay. of Soldier Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Chris is like, hey, you do listen to Coldplay. What you said is not true. I'm going to start just like putting Chris it. Chris says I'll, I'll defensively. Shopping it and I'll just like keep tagging you on Instagram and it'll just be like, Yanni. Again. There he goes. Master of the pan flute. Interesting. Man. So I'm trying out a new router bit for the first time. It's a bullnose bit. I I want to create these. Okay, Chris, is this something that you've used quite a bit? So I want to hear what you used it for. Okay, so I was just uh, okay. Go for it. You go first, and then I'll go. Circle dados because I made half circle. So so I basically, you know, I cut it as a groove, and then I cut shelves that. I used a roundover bit on the top and the bottom so that they're a a full radius, and then they fit in. So yeah, instead of a square fitting into a dado it's a semi a half circle that fits into a bullnose 
groove. It's like the whole shelf is a sausage body. Yeah. It's like a, <laughs> yeah, profile. Yeah, it's, like, it's like a hot dog. I didn't even think about that. Okay. It's like a hot dog in a bun. Like crazy. I, I need to get a point of clarification <laughs> on modern builds terminology sausage body. So Certainly. You mean by sausage body, you mean kind of a curved corner rectangle almost like a pill shape this yes not like pill a shaped. curved sausage yeah, yeah not not a banana no <laughs> that no, would no, be no. a banana body <laughs> you're right it would <laughs> or an eggplant so this boy. is the craziest part about <laughs> this shape in general and every time i make a video where i incorporate this shape i have to use so many different terms because in architecture it's called a stadium in something it's called just pill pill shaped and then in another kind of like space it's called a sausage body it's got a lot of different names depending on what it's for like i think in just geometry they call it a sausage body now are you is it different than a rounded rectangle it's a rectangle with a half circle on each end gotcha it's what you're describing half circle it's a full half yes so, a full yeah, half circle. So it is kind of pill shaped, but pill shape more speaks to a specific proportion of length to width and sausage body can be infinitely long. And technically as it could be infinitely wide, but so could a stadium, which is the same shape. Yeah. And I guess pill shape ends in a circle as well. It does. Yes. Mm. But don't confuse it with an ellipse because it is yeah. squared yeah, off what, on each end or on each you, side. The grooves that you were routing today that you put on Instagram that like hold the shell or hold the record to make it stand up. I would call that a, a like a half pill, a negative half pill shape. See, I, I never even thought about it being a pill shape or anything like that until you were describing it the way that right. you did. And if you're you normally because I just thought of it as a groove. And if you normally use the sausage body to describe a positive shape, that if it's a negative void, shouldn't it be a sausage crack? Mm. I think so. <laughs> so I so I just put all of my vinyls into these sausage cracks where they can rest and lean against the wall nicely. It, it's okay. going to work great for the voiceover. Okay. You should have like a little like text pop up that goes like, like a wikipedia definition of sausage body <laughs> when you just so you say it like really seriously like it's no big deal but then like the little text wikipedia entry sausage body a shape yes. that is <laughs> little asterisks yeah. like, like pop-up video or whatever mm-hmm. excellent well i'm glad we clarified all those mysteries yeah yeah we've really gone down some rabbit holes well, yeah, where should we start talking about building on. <laughs> that's what we've been working on <laughs> <laughs> Chris, did you talk about what you've been up to other than the fact that you're making these really cool shelves? Yeah, so I, I ended up making it for what I was talking about last week, that whole like balancing the legs with epoxy. I yeah. just needed like this little bookshelf stand thing. So I figured I'm just going to use this project to try some different techniques that then I can eventually incorporate into it. So obviously I'm going to do the leg balancing thing. I'm going to do the hovering look after I've done the practical version of that. And then yep. I decided to make everything rounded over. So it's kind of <laughs> like this one shape. It's kind of like a, a triangle shaped thing. And then it has four shelves going in it. And so the dados, I just rounded everything over. So I used that bullnose bit instead of just cutting regular dados and, and putting square shelves in there. And so nice. it's, so it's, it's going to be a real Frankenstein. Looking. Yeah, it's like it 
it very much looks like kids school wacky furniture it has that because like everything's soft looking on it you know there's no hard corners on anything so you could like fall and bump your head into it and be okay right but so it's it's definitely not my like preferred look but it was cool to you know play around with different techniques and i'm sure i'll incorporate it into something very cool what wood were you using what wood yep i'm i'm doing red oak which will be yeah i got it from the deli well i'm kind of curious just because that bit I'm using a material where there is no grain and I actually had a really good experience. It was able to do a climb cut and a regular pass with no problems at all. Yeah. But I imagine that shaped bit could kind of cause some problems with some funky grain. Yeah, it probably could. I mean, I know usually when you have the bit, so you're not like on one edge or the other, like what you were doing since you're r- cutting a groove that's like in the middle of it, it usually doesn't pull too much because it's like, like the forces are kind of counterbalancing each other. Got it. And and what you were using, like, obviously, yeah, it's not, it's just like pulverizing the material as it goes into it, but it was fine. Cool. Okay. Well, that's Mike, neat. I just realized our sausage body discussion clarified something. Oh, okay. You're working with melamine, which is the the sausage of sheet oh, goods, right? You're right. It's yeah. just chewed up stuff pressed together. And then it has like a, like a, a tough a shell. Casing. A casing. Yeah, a casing, if you will. I'm working with the baloney <laughs> of sheet goods. No casing, wow. finer grade. Who knows what it is? It's ground up so hard. That is the perfect food analogy. I don't think you've ever made one better on this show than in this moment. That was more on the nose for woodworking. Yeah. Well, it was just perfect. Yeah. It was so good. Poignant if they if I if I well, will, if I do say so myself. It's hey, just I, what we do. Can I read All you right. guys something real quick? Go for it. So sure. I, I went on to Wikipedia and I looked up a stadium, which is a two-dimensional geometric shape consu- constructed of a rectangle with semicircles at the pair of opposite sides. The same shape is known also as a disco rectangle, oblong, or yep, a sausage body. Hey, <laughs> I told you, man. I told Boom. you. There it is. Well, I had to. I. I had to Science. really come to my own conclusion or my own decision and commit to one of these terms because I've made a few YouTube videos now where I keep making this shape. Mm-hmm. And so at some point I have to decide what am I going to be consistent with? Be and of all of boy. the options, I mean, I used to have a real sausage body and then <laughs> I started to diet and exercise a little bit more. But what I am really getting at is that's just the funnest one to say. You know, what am I going to say? A lot of, what was the other one? Ah, browned. I, I don't mind disco rectangle. Yeah, I don't mind it either. But people are gonna be like, "What? what what's that? Are all the edges curvy? What's going on?" Yeah, that's good yeah. stuff. Yeah, disco rectangle right. sounds like a place where you do cocaine. It does. <laughs> but then again, a sausage body does kind of make you think it probably does have the sausage curve, yeah. like a yeah, the like a classic Frank. Yeah. Oh, well, what are like you going to do? Like the Wienermobile. Oh, speaking of hot dogs, let's give a big thanks to what we've been up to's sponsor, mm, Sauce Stop. Good segue. That was a segue. <laughs> if you guys need a table saw, there's one brand that you should look into, and they are called Sauce Stop. Why? It's because your fingers are important. You use them for all sorts of things. Grabbing things. Dropping things. 
other stuff. Some say they're the sausage body of the hand. (laughs) You're right. And if you want to keep those fingers and not have them tragically lost in a table saw accident, the best thing in the world that you can do is get a saw stop table saw. It has flesh sensing technology where if it detects your finger touches the blade, it will stop it instantly. And if you want to see the proof, go to YouTube and watch it stop on a hot dog. You'll find it. There you go. That's why I brought up the hot dogs. That's why it's a perfect time to shout out Saw Stop. And it's an even better time for you to follow the link in the show notes. So check that out. Guys, do you have anything else to say? Great Saw? No, but I wanted to suggest that to the Jackass crew for like one of their stunts is actually like oh putting their hand into the Saw Stop. That's why they use the hot dogs. It's a facsimile of the finger yes. to test out the Saw Stop. So the saw stop, great for cutting wood, bad for cutting hot dogs. All right, we're back and we're going to continue on with questions. Still plenty of them to get through. So I don't remember where I left off. So I'm just going to kind of look for the last one that I remember really quickly and then I'll keep going from there. But before I do that, I'm going to tell you that (laughs) a three-dimensional version of that shape could also be called a capsule. Oh, wow. A pill shape, pill capsule. There you go. All right. Makes sense. Let's see. I'm looking at the questions and did we answer best maker vehicle? Is that a good one we want to get into? It's a I mean, Honda you know, Ridgeline. There's you know no what question I'm about it. It's obviously <laughs> future. the Honda Ridgeline. It's the, I mean, just question answered. We can move on. Boom. There you go. We did it. <laughs> um, you can edit all this out how about this one here we go from harrison j321 what has been your least successful build slash video and why hmm Hmm. i mean if we just go obviously if so if we want to just look at the data we could just yeah let's do it can you sort by like well i would think of it this way i would think of the one that took the most time that was the least performing things because there's kind of like a tiered system but some of the ones just like that don't perform well also were really easy projects that you're just turning out or getting them done yeah for some other reason so i would do say you think it it's all ha- about time or do you think it's about expectation yeah i think right? expectation. something you like you had high hopes for it you know you're like that was a good idea but no one i think what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna search my videos or sort them from least viewed, but then just look at them until the first one where it really stings. Be like, oh, right. I liked that one. Okay. So here, I'll, while you're doing that, cause I just did that with mine. So the video awesome. of mine that has the least views is one that we put out last Christmas, which was like a gingerbread house that I think it's a cool looking gingerbread house, but obviously it's a uh, not edible. It's made out of MDF. So maybe people hated it because of that. And who knows, maybe it'll get like a little boost this Christmas and then it won't be the least viewed video. But as of now it is, but it like, I don't know. I'm not, I don't look at my mirror or look in the mirror at myself and, and judge myself on how well my gingerbread houses do. So I'm not losing any sleep over that one. So to go with what Mike's saying, maybe like those modular planters that I made on the CNC when I first got the CNC, which I think are really cool because I made it where it can like come together in into a like, I don't know, six sided object, whatever that's called. Hexa. 
sectagon. I don't know what it's called. Whatever. You know what I mean? That geometric shape. Or they can all fit together in like a weird kind of geometric abstract line. So I thought there was there was a lot of planning and thinking that went into it. And I think they're cool. I think they'd make like a they make a cool little centerpiece for any kind of table, but just didn't get any traction. Dang. I think I have mine. And it was a really big project. It was this outdoor kitchen island that I did for Traeger. It was steel. It looked phenomenal. That wasn't that long ago, right? Like a year ago, maybe? It was two years ago? Damn. And it was massive. I thought it was like everything. It it wasn't a design I was super excited about, but I thought it looked really clean. It looked like something that, you know, would be in the outdoor kitchen for somebody that has a lot of restoration hardware furniture. So I'm like, oh, this sort of meets a lot of these trends. This is going to do really well. Big project, outdoor project. It's island, it's practical, boom, all these things. Nope. Didn't kind of kind of flopped and it was a ton of work. Now luckily it was a great commission with Traeger and it, it all worked out. And uh, it was also one of those ones where I'm doing it as a custom design for a client, but that was one of the ones that really kind of surprised me. But uh yeah, that one hurt. That one was time, energy, and a good idea. And it just didn't happen to have the didn't, right kind of like it wasn't right place, right time or something like that, huh? And then meanwhile, like five DIY whitewash finishes for wood is like twice as many views. And it was just like stupid. Right. <laughs> and I remember that that one, the grilling station, it was cool because that was the one with the slide out, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I really dug the mechanisms because oh, no, no, you kind of the big one. This was the one that was like a oh, four foot by eight foot island that I, I did for that, that, one. that chef up in San Francisco. Dang. I remember that one being a saga because of the huge concrete like slabs. Yeah. So it was a it was a lot of work. The fabrication took like, you know, it was like eight to ten days of fabrication, you know. And meanwhile, there's like a. I, I got my list up and I'm looking at all the things that did better than it. <laughs> Meanwhile, yep. I once filled up a milk carton jug with concrete and then drilled holes in it. And that got three times as many views because I and then put a light bulb in it. But that was eight years ago when when YouTube was a different place. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So mine, it's not my worst performing video, but it's in my bottom dozen or 15 and it's going back to the whole stadium sausage body shape thing. It was the first time I introduced it to YouTube. This is about 10, 11 months ago. And I made a coffee table with built-in wireless charging on the top. I thought the idea was cool. I thought the shape was cool. And I built it by stacking up a bunch of plywood so I could route a lot of grooves for cables to go through. And then I did white laminate on all the surfaces. So I was just introducing a lot of new things on it. I think I executed it decently, but I also knew I was early to the wave. I know that this sausage body shape, this stadium shape, if people can agree on what to call it, it's going to even keep getting more popular. (laughs) That's the only problem. So it's one of those things like I know it needs a cluster to have around it. So I'm going to keep working on that, you know, and keep using using that shape. But it didn't get very many views. I think the people kind of liked it, but weren't too excited on it. Maybe maybe it's one of those videos where it just needs a new thumbnail because I don't think the video was bad. Who knows? Yeah. What, okay. What about the... F- so nobody asked this, but what about the flip side of that? What about if you look at your best performing videos, what one jumps out to you as like, not that you phoned it in or whatever, but like maybe, oh, that one kind of like 
made itself or I didn't put as much effort into that as I had to, but like, yet it did really well. Does anything like that jump out to you guys? Yeah. yeah. There's more Facebook ones for me. I did this fake rock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where, and it did like 40 million views on Facebook. That could be called like manly paper mache because that was kind of like <laughs> yeah. what it was. I just made a fake landscaping rock because uh, sponsor wanted me to. And it did like it didn't do anything on YouTube, but on Facebook, it was it's like my most viewed video ever. It's like me making this stupid fake rock. I don't know if I remember talking about this on the podcast, but you know those trail cameras that you would put so that like when deer come by, it takes a picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What if you put one of those in there, like a security camera? So Ooh, when anybody drove go. past, anytime anyone drove into your driveway, it just snapped a picture of their license plate. The world's you know, biggest hide a key. Right. It, and what? You don't really ever need to check it. Those things are made to, you know, not be checked on for months. It was a very convincing fake rock. I'm not going to lie. Surrounded by other rocks, it really blends in. Yeah. <laughs> it rocks. Well, what so that was one where it, it did really well, like it really blew up. Yeah, on I mean, Facebook, on, you that, on on YouTube, the one that sort of comes to mind, like most of the ones, I kind of knew that they would, right? Like I'm looking at, like I knew the hot tub ones would would do well. I think it was the the pouring molten metal into kinetic sand, which I almost didn't release as a video. I was just doing a little test, mm-hmm. and that did a couple million views. And there's there's a few up there that are kind of on the cheesy side and I was just kind of throwing something out real quick and yeah but it's funny to look at the the list and see them all sort of you know stack ranked yeah in terms of views and so Chris yeah for you is sorry Ben I didn't mean to cut you off there Chris for you is it the crayons or is it the Nintendo Switch TV I mean like so the Nintendo Switch obviously yeah if you just went like views compared to effort. But that one was cool too. Yeah, so it didn't I, seem like it was like crazy easy. It had quite a bit of work and you curve bent all those corners, right? Yeah, there there was definitely a lot that went into it and I you know, if you had told me like what video that you're making do you think has the most potential? I would say that. So the one that jumps out to me when I'm looking at the top of my list is one that I did that's just top 10 table saw jigs and accessories. Because, and the, one of the main, so it has 911,000 views and then like Whoa. the Lego river table has 967. And so, you know, they're kind of on the same level. They're roughly the same old, but when I think of like how much work and planning went into that Lego river table versus the top 10 table saw jigs and accessories, that could just be like one of those ones like, Oh crap, I need to get something out next week. Oh, I could do this. This will be useful information for people. And then that ends up being like my I don't know, eighth most popular video or whatever. Next and week, it's also you see not what I want to be known for. Being the tools guy or being the crayon guy? The tools. What about the crayon guy? I'll be the crayon guy, I guess. Okay. If I have Boom. to. Awesome. Yeah, mine was a little gimmicky. It's sitting a little over a million views and it's the DIY no welding coffee table. So I just figured out a way of connecting a, like aluminum tube together for yeah. a coffee table base. I remember it when was you like, did that. okay. And I remember it actually lasted a long time and it survived a couple of house parties with people standing on it. <laughs> so it was sturdy. It did eventually break, but it was just through being, you know, rowdy. So anyways, that one was a cool one. 
but I know it's a little bit gimmicky. The rest of the things above that on my list, I kind of stand behind. That's the highest one on my list where I'm like, "Eh, okay, it's a little 50-50. Word. All right. Word. This this is a weird one, but we can skip it if you want, but let's just see what you guys say. How can woodworking get me a girlfriend? Ooh. I can handle this one. Let's hear it. It'll get you in shape? No. 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 It's not efficient for that. I think if you look at anything that way, it doesn't, it diminishes its potential effectiveness. I would say that it's not that it, it gets you a person. It's more that it makes you, it adds a, a level of dimension and depth to you. So if it's something that you're become good at, that's always attractive and interesting. And that's, has nothing to do with like dating and the opposite sex. It just means you're a more interesting person. If you have more skills, you're a more interesting person. People are going to want to talk to you longer. They talk to you longer. They're probably going to want to have you closer or more involved into their life. So it's, I think it's more about adding dimension. Now the caveat is, is that you may like woodworking more than the people you're talking to. And I think one of the mistakes people make is that when they're passionate about a hobby or something is that they again lead with it. And they've, what they don't realize is that it makes them more interesting when it's sauce for them and they don't try to make it the main course for everyone else. If you're just the person that people know, Oh yeah, that guy does a little woodworking and he makes stuff. So many of my really good friends that don't do making they don't really know what I make or what I design. They just kind of know that I do stuff. I don't go into the weeds talking about my, you know, my saw stop table saw and, you know, oh, I don't like to use pocket holes because I'm this kind of woodworker. No, if they're not interested in it, I leave it at the level of their interest and I bring my conversational abilities down to their level of interest and I don't try to ram my interests down their throat. But... What's interesting is, is that there's a, it's like, it's like your Batman, you know, you got these, like, you got the utility belt. Utility belt is great when there's a bank robbery. If you're wearing a utility belt in Walmart, you're a fucking tool. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fanny pack, bro. Right. And unless it's a it's robbery ba- in progress in Walmart. Yeah. And if Batman cool. just won't quit talking about his utility belt, then he's just a weird guy that keeps telling you about his fanny pack. That You're like, dude, sucks. I don't care what's in your fanny pack. Oh, this? <laughs> just my bat grappling hook. So, yeah. Being, <laughs> having what do you extra, mean? I just repel from things. <gasps> having extra dimensions and abilities is a really cool thing. Talking yeah. about them all the time. Again, it's bringing your conversation to match the other person's interests, I think is the important part. Well, I think that that's like just conversation 101 that maybe some people do need to hear. People can make friends a lot easier by talking about the things that you have in common rather than the things that make you completely different from them. And so if you're the only person that makes things, let that be the thing that's unique, but don't be the thing that like is just defining you, you know? Yeah. Here's one. Get along. Okay, <laughs> go. What do we got? This will be a quick one. Have any of you been to Australia? Ooh, no, mate. What about you? No, I... Nope. It's, it's one of the, the two continents I haven't been to. Antarctica. Is that yep. the other one? Ah, yep. I knew it. 
<laughs> I've been wondering this the whole time. I knew right, let's and take and one more question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is another really fast one. Do you know Bob from I Like to Make Stuff? Bob's yes. the best, man. He's great. Bob is a just a fantastic human being. I'm so excited to see him restore that karma gear. Like, have you seen yeah, the old, very, old vintage yeah, karma that he got? It just, it, I don't know, something about it just. You know, I see him, especially, I think I was so delighted to hear him tackling that project after he had this sort of really annoying sort of kitchen renovation thing where everything was delayed and the shipping times were all screwed up. So it was kind of like, in my mind, and I'm not saying this is the narrative, but I was like thinking of it as like, wow, he just got through this really tough kitchen renovation project that he's doing for his whole family to make their home real nice. And it's kind of cool now that he gets to like work on his, this car this that he's always me. wanted. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really awesome. And he does a good job of managing long-term projects and keeping out consistent projects every week, basically. It seems like like he just got done building an entire R2-D2 where he 3D printed all the parts, Arduino'd up everything. I, I could never imagine building something like that. Yeah, actually, but now they... It was a whole series that took him like two years, basically. And it's crazy because on top of everything else he was doing, he's still finding the time of doing that and cataloging it. You know what I mean? Building a whole video and a whole story out of all of that, managing all the files, keeping track of things and just like stitching it together over such a long period of time. If you think about it, Bob's kind of like the spirit animal for the Rockler hobby challenge that we have going on right now (laughs) because he's always done that on, on his channels. Like he really incorporates the things that he's, passionate about and cares about that a lot of people might not really care about, but he makes it digestible for like, you know, there's, I've watched plenty of his videos that are things that I might not personally be into, but it's still interesting to watch him do it. And you can still learn from something from it. And yeah, it's kind of like what the challenge is about. Yeah. 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 I think that he's got that in a really unique way compared to almost anybody else making videos. He's the gold standard in the kind of maker YouTube space. He just does it all right. Does it ethically, does it consistently really well. And yeah, also just a great guy. Yeah. Super nice. Yeah. Always like super encouraging whenever we talk. So big shouts out, Bob. Okay. One more, Chris, let's do one more. One more. We're not going into uh, obsessions. Okay. Nope. One more. Those were two quick ones. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. What is the most difficult part of the design process for you and how do you address it? Ooh. Anything there? What's the hardest part for you? Well, sometimes it's making it. <laughs> <laughs> like you have the idea, but then you're like, how do I actually execute this? No, I, I think it's on the ones... I th- the, the hardest part is when I know... When I'm sort of project managing how long it's going to take and how big of a mess it's going to make and how much money it's going to cost in materials versus the point of diminishing returns for adding more of all that stuff. You can always put more time into something. You can always put more money into something. You can always make a bigger and fancier version of it. Nothing you do is ever the definitive version of anything. So I think for me, the hardest part is knowing where schedule, which I try to be flexible on, where the amount of time I've allotted to something just has to come to an end and it has to get done versus knowing that it could be a little bit better. That's where the sort of design and the making part sort of come together. It's that 
knowing when it's done or knowing when it's good enough. Yeah, that's a good consideration. Looking back on my projects, I've still got this page of my most popular videos pulled up next to the the Google Hangout that we're using. Mm-hmm. And they all have a good hook. Like it'll be a bed with really clever storage or it'll be, you know, let's just say some storage, but it's all two by fours or whatever it is. All of these videos, they have like a decent hook. And I think if there's a design challenge that I'm trying with modern builds is to do a pretty straightforward thing with like one solid, maybe two solid hooks. Like with the record cabinet that I'm building now, I just want to do a really clean record console storage, but do it out of melamine. You know what I mean? So I'm just trying to take on one challenge with each project. And maybe that's a little bit of a consideration of like not trying to stack on 80 new things, even though Chris, that's a little bit of what you're doing now just for the sake of it. But normally when you experiment with something new, you kind of do one or two new things per project and not like six or eight. Yeah. And so if the design process is difficult, maybe that's part of what the difficulty is coming from is you're trying to solve too many complex challenges rather than kind of having your baseline, your straightforward approach, and then just experimenting off of that a certain amount. I'm going to say, and so I don't know if this really classifies as a design problem, but maybe efficient usage of material compared to efficient usage of time when I'm building something. So, okay. I will often, and and maybe this is a good thing, but I'll spend a lot of time to use my material efficiently when I could have saved myself like four hours by just being like, just cut this stuff up and use it. And like, yeah, you'll waste more wood, but who cares? Yeah. Which like when, and so I think that that's a good thing to do if you were, especially if you were like a hobbyist where you're not on a time crunch, you're just, you know, you want to spend less money building something. You don't want to waste material, obviously, for a lot of different reasons. And those are all true, but I probably cost myself money by doing that in time that I waste by not just being like, just go grab another full sheet of plywood and do it or whatever. You know, if I was building furniture to make money where I had to like get pieces out and churn them out, I probably would have more of that mentality and it would probably pay off. And to a certain extent that could pay off for me with what I'm doing right now. But for whatever reason, like I just can't mentally get over that hurdle of being inefficient. That's a good thing, Chris, in a way though. That's like good deep down. Yeah, that's yeah. that's my uh, answer for all those, my weakness on in a job think about interview. all that glue that you miserly save with your very... Oh, my goodness. I've saved a whole bottle by now, probably. And if you just had a fire hose just shooting glue everywhere, (laughs) it would be so fast. You're a little messy, but no. Um, Be flying. It's interesting, right? Like, that's why whenever somebody says that they're rational, I'm always like, well, to what degree? Right? Like, because... Saving material is rational. It's just not rational when it's put into a spreadsheet of what's most valuable, your time versus your material, right? Right. And that's what I think is always kind of tricky is we all have those kind of points of, I wouldn't call them like points of hypocrisy because it's really just like you have to kind of examine it to make it kind of obvious and then equate it to bring it up to the same level. Yeah. And what you're realizing is that your time's actually working worth more than the material you take the time to save. Rationale blindness. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. So we're 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 all segmentedly rational rather than completely. But right, that means now. there's always what's great is that if you ever get to the point where you're like, I need to make changes, 
it means that if you really sit down and look closely, you're going to find a whole list of things that you could kind of rebuild in a very practical way. I'm just going to start burning through trees. Boom. (laughs) Willy nilly. (laughs) Too many trees. (laughs) All right. Obsessions. Ooh. Let's see. Well, my obsession is a new show that's back on Succession. Oh, it's back on? Yep. After a two years hiatus. It's kind of a, I guess it's one of the more highbrow shows that I like. I just think it's smart and funny and yeah, it's kind of like The Office if it was done by HBO. Hmm. If there was cussing and nudity. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be, we'll be quick since we've already been very long, but I'm going to be superstitious with mine because I Mm, believe two years ago, just before the NBA season kicked off, I said the NBA season was my obsession and the Lakers won that year. And then last year, I don't think I chose it and they did not win. So I'm going to say NBA basketball, regular season, it starts tomorrow for us or probably like two days ago for the people listening. And are you going to go ahead and like say that you think LA is going to win or that's all you need to do and they're going to win? Just mention that it's my obsession because that's what happened last time. Yeah, you are very superstitious. Get to Vegas and start betting. (laughs) Okay, well, that's awesome, man. Shouts out. Shouts out. Okay, so I'm going to give a shout out to. Dude, to be honest with you, man, I don't have one. I'm looking. I wanted to find something on YouTube. I got a question for Mike. How do you feel about (sighs) Lakers having Westbrook? I don't, I don't, I don't have any problems with Westbrook. I don't have any problems with Westbrook going anywhere. I think that's a great thing. Any warnings? Any warnings? Uh, yeah, he's got a terrible efficiency rating. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he's, he's awesome. Gonna, he'll, he'll win a lot of regular season games, like where where Davis and and LeBron could like maybe just play half the game or be out, and he can he can win some of those like throwaway games. Yeah, and I think Russell Westbrook has got mad skill, but. Oklahoma City's problem was never that. It was just, I don't think it was ever having really great coaching and really having a great kind of team chemistry. But I think Russell Westbrook in the right system, getting the right plays is awesome. The same way that, you know, different players in different teams perform differently, you know? Yeah. He's a great third banana. Ooh. I mean, if you put it that way. Yeah. Or sausage body. Third sausage body. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take that. Okay. All right. Well, we appreciate it, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you haven't been posting your hashtag Rockler Hobby Challenge with that hashtag, make sure and do it. That way we can catalog everybody's entries. We've got a lot of projects that are already complete. We've got a lot of projects that are in progress, and I'm sure a lot more on the way. So, Chris, is it the end of November? Yeah. Until people have to enter? Okay, great. So whether it's on Instagram or YouTube, just hashtag it. That's how we're going to find it. And make sure and share the ones that you think are cool. Make sure and, you know, like the ones and comment on the ones that you think are neat. We appreciate all the support and we'll see you next time on the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everybody. Later. Bye. We should edit out the wiener part.